This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. And I tell you what, I've got something a bit special for you this week. Usually we've got flat nose boxers in here or cauliflower ears, eminent uh, mixed martial artists. But this week we've got something a little bit different. I've got a very handsome young chap sitting right across from me, uh, very talented as well. Robbie O'Neill, who's an actor and writer from Liverpool. And we'll get on to why. He's in studio. Why he's on the Fight Disciples show in just a second. But, Rob, I know you're living in London now. I am, mate, Chasing yeah. your own dream. What's it like to be back in Liverpool? It's, it's you, Are you back here business or pleasure? Business at the minute, mate. I'm doing a play at the Everyman this week. I'm from Thursday till Saturday, and that's called to have to shoot an Irishman. So we're doing a day's rehearsal tomorrow. Then we've got three days and then we're off on tour. So yeah. staying with me mad at the minute. Brilliant. <laughs> but she's loving it. I doubt it, mate. I haven't seen her yet. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know that bag is full no, of dirty that's washing. It, that's it. I've got no clobber with me. <laughs> it's me undies. So when it, are you here till Sunday? So you're going to yeah. your mum's Sunday roast, then you? I might do. I think I've got an early train back. So you can't leave not. without having oh, a Sunday man. roast off your mum. I'm putting that top away, isn't it? Absolutely. On the train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, let's get on to the reason why we've got you in the in, in the studio tonight, obviously. Uh, people may be aware that you were in Little Boy Blue, you've done a lot of stuff, obviously, yeah, you're doing some stage stuff at the moment, but you're in here to talk about something that not only you're starring in, but you wrote yourself. That's right, mate, yeah. I, uh, I wrote a short film called Seconds Out, and it's about a young boxer who is struggling with mental health issues and he's coming off the back of a non-fatal suicide attempt and basically the film is watching him as he pieces through the, the remnants of of that of that situation and how he goes about it how he gets about his day-to-day life and uh, we're just trying to raise awareness to get the film properly funded at the minute so that we can finish it and get out to festivals and uh, so yeah so when you f- say finish it do you mean yeah. Is that the editing part that needs to be done? If all the filming's done now? Yeah, we did all the filming in at the end of July in Manchester. Um, we were open to, I was open to filming in Liverpool, ideally, but it was just one of those things. Logistically, everyone was in Manchester, so you had yeah. to do it there. And it was cheaper, that's the thing, man. You You're doing everything at a budget and at a cost. So, yeah, we, we shot it in Manchester at the end of July. And it looks brilliant, mate. I'm, like, I was a bit sceptical at first because... I hate seeing myself on screen, and you better get over that. Exactly, man. I know, <laughs> I know. But I, um, when I seen the rushes of this and seeing what the DOP and the director, you know, the way they'd made it look and yeah. how the rest of the cast are in the film, I was, I was blown away, and I'm, I'm proper excited to get it out because I feel as though it's something a lot of fellas around my age and from my sort of background, you know, from working class communities particularly across the UK will be able to relate to. So yeah. I'm excited to get it out there now. Obviously you've got um, your director's another scouser. Yeah, Phil Valentini. Yeah. So I think people who might listen to the show will be aware of the fact that, or maybe they're not aware, mm. Phil was an, is an actor, was an actor. He was, in, he was in Band of Brothers, wasn't he? He was in Band of Brothers, yeah. And he's still an actor, but he's uh, he's branching out. He's doing Producing, everything. Producing, directing. Yeah, a lot, man. Yeah, a lot. It. He's a jack of all trades. And, um, so how did that come about? Was it a scouse connection? or was Kind of, it... yeah. We met on Little Boy Blue. Uh, Phil, Phil had a part in Little Boy Blue, and me and him had a scene, but it didn't actually make the uh, the final cut. Right. But we were sat around the trailer one day, and I was just saying, I've written this, and like, do you want to have a read? And he read it, 
and it had gone through different guises. I'd had like two or three producers, two or three directors on board at different points. And Phil got in touch with me, mate. I, I want to make this film. And he was like, look, I've got no experience in directing whatsoever, but I want to make this and I think I could do it justice. And I was I was sceptical. I was like, well, I want someone who knows what to do with me. But when we sat down and he talked through it with me shot by shot, he, there was there was no doubt that like, A, he was passionate about it and B, he had the vision to make it work and he did so. You know, we pulled so much of it together, filled it and I'm dead grateful, for, grateful to him for making it happen. Of course. Uh, yeah. As, as a writer... You say that it went through various journeys and it changed, and we had this. We had a couple of directors on mm. from a from a pundit's point of view, from a viewer's point of view. What does that actually mean? How long? How long ago did you write the Did you write the story, and how long did it take to get into production? I I had my first conversation about this film with a mate of mine in, I think it was August twenty thirteen, and wow. I wrote the first draft at the end of that year. So I've had this script on the bench since twenty thirteen, um, and. Like, you know, with being an actor, sometimes you're working and money's all right. But, you know, 90% of the time you're not. Yeah. So you, you just pull on every job you can to make, keep pay your rent. So it's not as though, like, you're pulling a Hollywood film and you can take your money from that and throw your money into it. You know, you've, you've got to do your daily graft. Like, I've done everything me at work. I've worked as a labourer, which I used to do anyway. Um, call centres, I work at schools, you know. Whatever you can think of, I've done. And... To get this film made, I've literally just been like sourcing it about and saying, look, I've, made, I've written this, do you want to have a look? And a few times people have said, oh, yeah, we want to get involved. Um, some people have had a bit more substance than others in terms of their interest. Yeah. Um, and when Phil got involved in particular, I, I knew that he, that was going to be the right route for it. And um, we were lucky with the cast we got as well because, you know, I... Like, I had contacts in different areas and stuff like that, so we were able to pull a good cast in. And things, it was just a perfect storm. It's it's hard to get the funding together. Yeah. And the script, I reckon this is like the ninth, tenth draft. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not as though you're just writing and it's there. It's done. It takes work, man. A lot of, uh, a lot of old, not OVs, but it, I, I can remember like one point I was sat in Western Hospital about two years redrafting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like trying to get it done. And yeah, it's took time, but... I'm dead proud of it, yeah. and I just hope everyone else like can relate to it when they see it. Of course, yeah. You mentioned the cast there, of course. Uh, Faye Marseille, yeah, from Faye. Game of Thrones. So how did that come about? How did how uh, did that cast casting get involved? I always think that stuff like that. Is she got the same agents as you? Is that how the relationships made? Or no, Faye is a good mate of mine. We oh, met right, at okay. drama school, um, and we started the drama school in the same year. And weirdly, we were, we were the only two working class people in our entire year, so. We got on really where, well. Where was that? Where was the school? Bristol, Bristol Old Vic, man. Right, okay. I mean, I, yeah, I rocked yeah. up off, like, you know, of a building site. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, like... Everybody proper... else has got triple-barreled names. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ten houses, triple-barreled names, trust funds, the lot. But they were all lovely. I'm, of course. I'm messing, like... Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but me and Faye, we really hit it off because we were from very similar worlds and, like, you know, she's, she's just bossing... Like sometimes I'd have like you know I had a pair of pads and boxing gloves and it's like she loves boxing so sometimes I'd be in the movement studio with the pads out you know just like teaching her <laughs> a bit and Love even it. in London I was talking to like I, I trained at Fitzroy Lodge in London so I take it, I've took her down a few times and that and um, we went initially it, I I wrote the part for Faye right okay. and then she's very busy so I was like I, it didn't look like she'd be able to do it 
And then when it came to fruition, it was just a case of like, she was available at the time and she, she agreed to. And we've worked together before. We know we work together well. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't seen what, like the scenes between her and I in it. It's, it look, it's nice. It's, it's very poignant, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think it'll st- strike a bit of a chord. So, yeah. Is that the bit in the in the trailer where you're on the couch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's And to be fair, that's like a massive element of the film. Um, it all falls together when you see it, but that's that's like the, the sort of like the catharsis, if that's even the right word, of the film. That That's where it lies in that moment where they're talking and he's just able to open up a bit to her and tell her like what's what, yeah. you know, in his, in his life. So it's... Um, yeah, it was, it was great to great to work with her. Of course, obviously yeah. the other cast member that jumps off the page certainly to five fans will yeah. be Nigel Travis. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Moore's number two yeah. or number one, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> but uh, obviously Nigel is an absolute legend in a boxing game at the moment. He's yeah. absolutely smashing. And Jamie got trainer of the year, but as much as that is deserved to go to Nigel as well. So he's making massive waves in the boxing yeah. world. Finally, you know they're finally hitting a real hot streak right now. So how did he ever find time to be in, in this? And how did it even come about anyway? It, oh, mate, it was mad. It was, as I say, I, I trained at Fitzroy Lodge. And Nigel lived in London for years. And he, he boxed for the lodge. Yeah. And uh, the, the head coach at the lodge is Mark Rygate. And I've, I've become mates with Mark. So I, I told Mark I was doing the film. And initially, we were going to... There was a time where it looked like we'd do it in London. Yeah. And Mark was, was going to let us use the lodge. And uh, then when that fell through... I was saying, looks like Manchester. And he was like, oh, Trav's up in Manchester. But that was it. And then when we were t- I was talking to Phil and the producers about casting, I said, because I'd seen the, did you see the documentary on Sky Sports, Lodge Boys? Yeah, yeah. Trav was in that. And I remembered his face and I was like, I'm sure he does a bit of acting him. So I Googled him. He's got him. a very unique face. Yeah, has, he has, yeah. And I Googled him and I, I posted him, to, like a, a text, a, a text Phil and one of the producers and said, but have a look at this fella for the trainer. I said he's, you know, he's he's the real deal. Like I can, I can, you know, he works with Jamie Moore and he's an actor. He's look at his IMDb. He's got loads. Yeah. So he read the script. We sent him the script. He loved it, and we met him and he's and yeah. After meeting him, we just offered him it there yeah, and then. And then he said it was like you can use because he's got he's he runs an amateur gym as well, Nigel. So right. he said if you need this, if you need a gym, use use me gym. So we used his gym. And um, yeah, we just we we shot a whole day in his gym, and um, it was just it was just mad how it came about. And on the on the flip side, of that Mark Rygate helped me with you know he, he like I'd finish work, I'd get the gym, he'd pad for me for half an hour, and then I'd just do a circle or stuff like that. So when I got got up to do the film, I was half ready. Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, but yeah, it was it was it was brilliant to work with Nigel because he's. If you've met him, he's just he's just a lovely fella. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got this boss energy about him and you know, he you know, he calls it how it is, but he's he's just one of the most positive people I've ever met and without Nights and actually without a lot of people in the boxing world, this film wouldn't have been made. Even like if I go back to like the trainer that did it no limits, like I'd done with like with with like Michael Kay and Danny Widow and they say, you know, they've they've padded for me in the past and stuff like that when it looked like it might happen, then didn't. Yeah. And and then Rye Gates and then Strav did without without these people in the boxing community that the film wouldn't have been made. And with their fortunate in that respect, 
But um, yeah, it's brilliant with Trav. He's 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 a diamond. But he so. wasn't running around debagging anyone on stage. No, no. seen that at the moment. No, I know. Yeah, like, yeah. Just right <laughs> at the moment. I know. Poor Eddie Earn, man. Trevor's for him. He did. He did. He did. On an escalator, was it, a, was it an escalator or one of them, like, carry fast things? It looks terrifying, I know that. I know. Honestly, God. I know, we could have thought, like, had some boxes on, like, couldn't you? But... <laughs> so, we've talked about the cast of director, obviously, yeah. yourself. Tell us more about the story, then. Obviously, yeah. the backdrop is very much boxing, but the focus mm. is on mental health. Yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, the... The story is just... A, it's it's just an incident in which which we tend to hear too much nowadays is just a young lad and um he's he's had he's he's had a breakdown and uh, it hasn't ended well and he as I say he's come off the back of a non fatal suicide attempt and um you just it's literally just a case of him waking up after that and working his way back through his everyday life and the changes that you know therapy brings to that and what like you know medication brings to that and how he deals with that um, but it, what one thing that I wanted to put across in this film is what boxing gyms really are I feel like sometimes when you have a film about a boxer there's always an exploitative edge to them yeah. that's not the experience I've got you know the experience I've got of boxing gyms is people doing general good and looking after each other and Having those actually having those conversations, there seems to be like you know people never talk. But I don't know, man. I, some of the best people I've met in my life are in boxing, and I just wanted to put that across. The relationships in gyms, in particular, are really important, and that there's always people there that you can reach out to, and it's they're not like the the cold hard places that sometimes yeah. they portray to be. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah, and I wanted to put that across and. You just see that the character, but you know, piecing his life back, Carl piecing his life back together, and you see him getting involved with the juniors, you know, working with the amateurs and stuff like that. And I just, I just wanted to, I wanted it to be optimistic. I want, I didn't want it to be. You know, it's obviously a, a, a very, you know, sobering yeah, subject totally that you've tackled. And it's not. I'm not going to say it's like it's totally like happy because it's not. There are moments in there where it is quite, it is quite sad, and it'll probably bring a tear to people's eye. I'm not going to lie, but. The, the relationships the relationship between Carl and Jimmy is is solid and it's warm and the opportunity for Carl to speak is there I think it's just a case of him realizing that it is and then you've got the counterpoint with with Stella and the the conversation he has with the, with with Stella and it you just I think the contrast between both the worlds isn't as black and white as people probably would imagine. Yeah. It's always there, the opportunity to speak, and um, I think, yeah, it's. I mean, it's only short. You know what I mean? That in a in another in an ideal world, it would have been, you know, a feature. ninety minutes. You have a feature, but it's you know you've got to you've got to learn to walk before you can run, haven't you? And it's, this is me fir- the first thing I've written for screen, um, so it's it's in a good spot. And the people who have seen the rough cut up to now have been. Really quite positive about it. And I just, yeah, I just can't wait to get it finished now, mate, and get it out there. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Stick with us in part two. More from actor, writer, soon-to-be director, no doubt, Robbie O'Neill. 
You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Let's get back to it. My big interview with Liverpool actor and and writer of the Seconds Out movie coming soon, Robbie O'Neill. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. First of all, why this subject matter? Yeah. Then? Well, you know, obviously the first mm. thing you would suggest is, is this something that you've experienced in your path or yeah. something you've come across as uh, growing up? Bit of both, mate. Bit of both. Um, I, in my teens, I started to have some mental health problems myself and there's something that I've had to, you know, learn to deal with as I got older. And, I, you know, I'm, I've got pretty much keep that under an even keel now, such wood. And... Um, so that was that was that was the first thing. Um, second thing is my love for boxing. Like you know, I like everyone in this city. Of course, everyone's got a connection with boxing. And you know, my my younger brother, he's a he, he coaches the juniors at Gemini with John Rice. You know, and well, yeah. me my granddad when I thought I was even born, he took Nigel Wenton to the NABCs. You know, at Hills Court. Yeah, yeah. And so it's boxing's in my, it, it's in my DNA. So I'm, 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 I'm a garbage boxer. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> you know, it's staying in that. You're, and lo- it's, you're like me, love yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm just not going to win that. Yeah, yeah. But love it. But um, I love it. I love it. I watch. If it's on, I watch it. If I can, if I've got the money, I'll go to a show. Uh, and I just feel that there is no better way to tell you know the story of like what a mental health problem can do to a person than to tell it through a boxer because I think a lot of men look at boxers in particular and think you're tough you're strong you can cope you know you go through 12 rounds of punishments yeah if you can cope with that you're hard but every I think with mental health everyone's fallible as we're finding out recently you know I know it's come to the fore a lot recently with Tyson Fury, but even yeah. before Tyson, you know, I remember, like, you know, I remember Oliver, Oliver McCall between that, you know, crying. Went, crying. Walking to the ring. Exactly. And I was just like, I remember that was a kid when I seen that. And I was like, why is he crying? Go yeah. and have a fight. But, and at the time, it doesn't register what that means. And so that was one. And then another instance is like, you know, Ricky Atten's had his problems, and he, which he's, you know, he's spoken about quite openly. Um... I remember, was it Tony Quigley I heard talk about his problems yeah, yeah. once, years Tony, ago? Yeah, he's in deep depth of depression. Yeah. And one injury after another scuppered him. You know, he's a British type, British champion at one point, and then it was one thing, then the next, and, you know, and then he put an awful lot of weight on, and, yeah. you know, and I spoke to Tony about it, and he's quite open about it as well. Yeah. He's about how dark his days were sometimes. That's it. I, remember, I think I remember hearing Tony talk about it years ago, and all these instances, like, the, you know, they, they tally up and I was like there's a story there to be told and there's an everyman sale yeah. that people can relate to and I just thought I feel like I'm probably in a good position to tell it because I know a bit about the boxing world I know a bit about about depression and you know I felt like I, I feel as though in particular male suicide is just it's ever, like since since I was a teenager the, the amount of people I hear of that like that have taken their lives, it just it just it breaks me heart. And some and like I know some you know people who I know personally who I know to be lovely people, have you know, have have gone down that route. And it's I just wanted to do something about it to be honest. And I thought the only thing I can do really is to tell stories. And yeah. I thought if I tell the story, if it saves one life, job done. 
course. Know what Absolutely. I mean? And that's that's why I did it. And I hope it's I hope it is well. I hope people like it when it gets out there and um but so I, I like yeah. the way that you know, a strong part of it that you were keen to really put say was this this relationships inside inside boxing gyms because I'm the same. Some of the nicest, most gentle people I've ever met forty years on this planet. I could count on two hands and I tell you what, seven or eight of them would be in fight would be in boxing game, be in fight sports. Yes. Easily. By a mile. it's a sport that people is think on the outside is quite gnarly, quite tough, quite uh, you know, overly masculine. But in fact, it draws together some of the most positive, passionate, committed you know, when you get into boxing into real boxing, I mean amateur boxing gyms, you know, boxing clubs, mixed martial arts clubs up and down the country, when you actually get in there and get past the, the superstars and get past the Anthony Joshua's of this world and actually mm. get into the gym, you'll find people that are in there earning no money, yeah. doing it because they love it, saving, saving communities. In this city alone, I guarantee the boxing gyms of this city have saved more lives than every other youth club and every other sports academy put together. Totally agree. Just because of the areas that they're in, the working class areas. People who run, you know, last week on the show, I had... Paul Stevenson in from Everton Red Triangle. Everton Red Triangle's been in this city putting out amateur boxers for decades, decades, probably almost a century. The amount of lives that one gym, and that's just one gym, mm. spread that across nationwide, spread that worldwide. And this is one thing which baffles me why they don't do boxing in schools. It's like the yeah. education authority doesn't understand it. It's weird, mate, because when I'm not acting, like I work at a school in South London, and there's a lot of, like, a lot of underprivileged kids in the school. And like I found a pair of pads in the PE cupboard, and again, there's, there's a lad I work with, twelve, and I, and he was he had a lot of problems, but we I just take him on the pads for five minutes, and honest to God, straight away, he knew he had something to look forward to every day. He had an outlet, and he'd stay in class, he'd do his work. Didn't want to miss he, his pads, was, you see? yeah, because he knew, and this, I'd only do it twice a week with him, and like, and if it was off, if I was off, like I had an audition or whatever, I'd make sure I'd do it the next day, and. The teacher, one of the teachers, like, you know, glowing about it. And now, like, I know schools that, like, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Liverpool so much, but I know in London, if they are, if they can, if they can, they'll get like outside sourced boxing coaches to go into schools and they'll do a bit with them. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's the way forward in a lot of cases, actually. Absolutely. I think it's but really beneficial. I know there's a few schools in Liverpool now who are trying after schools, clubs and everything else, but it used to be on the curriculum, you see. Yeah. Not too long ago, it was on the curriculum at every school. You know, instead of teaching rugby in a PE lesson, they take it on the pads, they teach, teach it a bit of footwork and everything else. And I truly believe any fight sports in schools has got to be a good thing. And I particularly, I mean, even if you look at it from a purely developmental point of view, the coordination that you that, that boxing teaches you is yeah. it's, it's brilliant. And I, I don't know, I... It's something I personally like to see. Of course. On more curriculums. Would you would you then where does this one first question, where yeah. does your passion for boxing come from? And then where does your passion for the acting game come from? Um I don't know, you know me. I think with boxing it's just like my granddad used to have all the old like years ago when I I grew up with my grandparents essentially and my granddad had that whole like the you know, the just before when Tyson got out of jail and stuff like that, he'd have his fights on and stuff like that. And even prior to that, I can I can remember like you know the the Eubank and Ben stuff like the back end like when I was really young and I remember like 
Am was it? On Eurosport, Andy Oligan, Shane Airy. Okay, yeah, Park, yeah. Yeah. Park, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mate, I remember watching that on Big Eurosport. Big Stanley Park. You're the only scouser I've ever met who says, I watched it on telly. Because yeah. every other scouser yeah, man, was I in that arena. Was, every yeah, scouser yeah. you speak to was in there. Nah, I was, was, was not telling me. There was like, only about 6,000 in there. But everyone <laughs> you speak to went. If it was two, that that tent would have homed about 300,000 yeah. scousers. Because everyone reckons they were at that fight. So it's nice to hear someone be honest and go, no, yeah, I watched man, it on I really telly. <laughs> <laughs> we watched it on telly. Because it was a week, was it on a weeknight? I think so. Yeah, it was I, something. It, it was, like wasn't that. it? Yeah, I think I, it was like a I Thursday remember. or a flat, something like that. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And, yeah, I remember going to school the next day. Sure of it. But anyhow, that. So I think that with boxing, it's always been, it was always there. And because me, me granddad was involved in it years ago, and like it goes. But I mean, even like me, me nan's cousin fought Dick Tiger. You know what I mean? Wow. He beat him wow, in Blackfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And that's so that's like a family story that everyone dines off. But <laughs> you know, it. you know what I mean. Like, but, so I think that boxing is just a, a kind of a family passion of mine. Um, so that, that's how I got into it, and I love it. Uh, but with the acting, um, at what age did you did you think I want to be an actor? I want to be on telly. I want to be in films. I used to at sing. What point? I used to sing when I was a kid, and I think when you when I it was like because no one was that musical in my family, so. When I was singing, people were like, what do we do with him? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's took his gloves off and picked That's the it. microphone up again. That's What's it. wrong with him? And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they were like, what are we going to do with him? And <laughs> it's mad. Singing into the speed I know, I know. And we, after that, there was no, there was nothing. I used to, so I used to like, there was a few things I could do with it. Like I was with like a, a sort of group of kids that used to sing together. And that I did that for a few years, like but take that type thing, like it, 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 not quite. A no, boy band it was type thing. like around pubs and stuff like that in Liverpool. So I did that for like two or three years. And like a boy band, was it a band? No, instruments and all that, or like it a, was like it was like there was like boys to men, like a scouse boys to men. It was like boys Paint and girls. Me, it was like we'd go in, right? We'd go into these pubs and we'd set the stuff up, and the, it was like when you could still smoke in a pub as well. You know what I mean? And we yeah. the kids and we the, the equipment to get set up, and you'd have a song, you'd sing your song. You'd have a glass of coke and you'd go home. You know, right, okay. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I'd do that and like, so I'd do that on like a Saturday night for like a few years, and then do like Sunday league. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of a of a Sunday staple. morning, Every exactly. That was it. Lad staple. And then I was running down the wing singing. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, it was that. But there was no real outlet. And then at school, I was, I was a bit ashamed at the time because I wanted to be one of the lads. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid. What school was it you went to? I went to SFX. Okay, yeah. So, like, I didn't, I never wanted people to know that I sang or anything like that. And so I wasn't one of those lads who was always destined to just jump into, like, acting or whatever. Because yeah. I, I, I you was. You went like, like in the drama club. I I'll play yeah, Peter Pan. I was, I was ashamed, man. I was ashamed. Man. And now I'm, I'm annoyed now yeah. that I was ashamed because I feel like if I wasn't ashamed back then, I'd have done a lot better. Yeah. Um. So I left school at 16. And then I was, I went, I did, like, a little course in acting. Um, and then, like, by the time I was in my late teens, I was like, nah, I don't want to, it's not for me, this, it was just, I was, again, I was, there was still that feeling of shame, um, and, I, you know, I talked before about having some like, mental health issues when I was a teenager, I think it was all kind of yeah. one and the same thing, and then by the time I got into my 20s, I was like, I was doing menial jobs, I was working as a labourer, and then I was in a call centre, and I did my ACL in, and I remember just like thinking, I was just getting this man. I was on cold, cold and all, and couldn't play footy anymore. Put loads of weight on, and I'd also play. Um, 
and then when I went back to work, I was telling everyone was in this play, you know what I mean? And the play was about like it was about like scouts politics, you know, when it was like, you know, down with the Tories and all that. It. it was like and um, it was set over like three generations and at that point I was like, I've just written a play out of nowhere there. You know you know what I mean? Without any impetus and it was like that's that thing's still burning in me. Of course. And then I got told I was getting made redundant. And when it's when when I got that news, that was like two thousand and eight, so it's ten years gone. I thought that's it, that's me push, I'm gonna be an actor and I'm, I'm definitely gonna do it. People had told me in my late teens you need to go to drama school, but I was like, nah, I don't wanna do that, it's not for me. Yeah. But then maybe it was age, getting a bit older and that, and realising, you know, I didn't have forever. I just thought now's the time. So I applied to Bristol Old Vic. So which, how old was you when you applied there? I was twenty four. Wow. And twenty five when I went. So I look a bit younger than I am. Like I was just going to say, yeah, I you were a lot younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. when you applied to Bristol Old Vic, then where did that come from? You know, obviously the application you've just yeah. gone through. But how do you justify that application? I, 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 I thought. Did you go? You know, I've written this play. There I've was, done this. I've done that. Yeah, kind of. To try I, to piece some stuff together, or did you scousify your CV and go, "Yeah, that was you know uh, a walk-on part in uh, you know Lord of the Rings." I know, and, yeah. Uh... I look like an hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it kind of me. You know what? I I sort of thought what I'm going to do is once I got in, I thought I haven't acted much since I did that college course, mm-hmm. so I need to act more. So in the year I went to Bristol over. I think I got in in the February and I went in the October. So, no, it was the June I got in, but I was on the shortlist from February, March. So, I knew from then I needed to do as much. So, in that year, I did, I was like understudy on one night in Istanbul at the Empire. Yeah. Nicky all got me onto that. Like, right. I knew Nicky from the match vaguely because I used to go everywhere with Liverpool. Right, okay. So, yeah, yeah. like, Nicky said, Here's your, you want to be an actor? Do you want to help us out? So, we had. Awesome. I was just running around. I was just running around the empire for like six weeks, like while they were doing the, you know, doing the show, and not in case anyone ever got ill, I went on, but that didn't happen thankfully because I'd have been terrible in my lives. And um, I did a few plays and sound like the Unity and stuff like that, and yeah, it was just a case of like making sure that I was ready to go to drama school because there was people there that have been acting since they were kids. Yeah, yeah. And it was just knowing that you had to be at a level. So, so yeah, it was it was a case of like learning quickly because I knew I could. I knew I could do it. I wouldn't have got in if I couldn't because it's it's one of the top top schools you can go to. You know. Absolutely. And, um. So I, but I just knew I needed to justify the fact that they gave me the chance to go there. And but yeah, so it was it was never like an obvious thing. It was always somewhere in the background that I'd do that, but it wasn't like you know. I'm 18 and I'm going to like going to drama school and I'm going to walk out and everyone's going to go, ah, oh, look at him. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Stick with us coming up in part three of the show. I'm going to explain exactly how you can be a producer on the movie Seconds Out. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Let's get back to it. My big interview with Liverpool actor and writer of the Seconds Out movie coming soon, Robbie O'Neill. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. There's a scene in the film, and I just where like where Carl goes back to he goes back to the gym, and he walks in, and when we were shooting it, I, I seen the, I seen the subs box, and I was like, 
He's got to put his subs in. He's got to put his subs in. He's got to put his subs in because I thought he's back. He's yeah. you know he's he's a he's he's just going to train. He's not going to he's not going down the gym to like to you know to so we can give his training like for X amount for his camp or anything. He's just going down to train. Yeah. And it was like I know what it's like for the like you know when fighters. I mean. Obviously, I don't know myself personally, but I've heard stories and I, I know fighters who are starting at the start of their careers and, you know, they, they've just got to, like, they'll do the full-time jobs and yeah. then they'll get down and they'll, they'll train with everyone else. I know, you know I know loads of them in this city and yeah. across the country that work shifts, extra hours, finish a double shift, go straight to the gym, train, you know, and these lads are... Then they've got to, put, then they've got to sell under tickets. Exactly. To pay for their opponents. Who's probably a journeyman and play and see if there's any left for your own wages. Well, that's it, and I suppose in a way this film's quite similar to that because if I if I hadn't have asked for help and getting it made, I, I it wouldn't got it wouldn't have got made. I I didn't have I haven't got a two pennies to rub together in some ways. Like, you know what I mean? Not yeah. to make a film like this. Of course. So that's why the crowdfunding was so important, yeah. and you know, it that's it's not. I think there's a a conception. There's like a preconception about like films in particular that if you're making a film must have a few you know you must have a few quids you must have money coming from somewhere but if it hadn't been for the generosity of my friends and my family and strangers as well yeah this would not have got made this would not have got made and in a way it's like i suppose in a way it is like you know boxes relying on the mates and the families to buy tickets in those early bouts you know what i mean so i suppose there's a similarity there and i've been yeah it's just it's a it all arcs back, and I do see similar. Even with football, you know the politics and like you know in football when you're trying to like you know if you're at an academy or you've got to move to another academy because you know there's kids of EDF and stuff like that. It's like I, I work with lads in in London who at schools who are you know semi-professional footballers, and they have to like they're not making enough enough dough, you know, doing it's non-league. So they've got to they, we're doing the same jobs. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And it's like. We're all we're all in the same boat, weirdly. You know, you're at the bottom of the sort sort of the bottom rung of the ladder and you're trying to just push your way up and you're all in the same boat and you're all trying to like do what you can nine to five so that you can then get out on your Wednesday nights or your Saturday nights or and do what you need to do to try and push forward what it, it is you're truly passionate about. Yeah, chase your own career. Yeah. Obviously the crowdfunding you pulled that in to make the film. Yeah. You're now you're now short of some funding to finish the film yeah. post production, and then obviously from there, what's the next step with the film? We'll what we're gonna do is we're gonna finish it, and once it's finished, it'll go to festivals. Now, the idea is is that we get it to festivals. So can you enter it into any festival? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The, the, but the problem is it costs. They'll right. they'll charge like some anywhere from anywhere between fifteen pound. And seventy five, something like that. Depending on the, yeah. the, the level of the and even and even then, even then, they might not accept you. Of course, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so that's something we're we're conscious of. So we need to be smart about what festivals we enter. But we've got high hopes for the film, so it's not as got, it's not as done. We're not going to like aim for the big ones. Yeah, we're going to we have got high hopes for it, so we're going to uh, we're going to go for that. But yeah, it's a case of making sure that we get it into the festivals, it gets its festival run, and once that's done, we're going to hopefully put it to YouTube so that people can put it out there and they can, you know, they can just see it as and when. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And if people want to use it as a tool to talk about this issue, have it. 
it's yours. Well, have you spoken to any charities like Mind or anything reached, like that yeah. about you know maybe giving it to them? Yeah, well, yeah, for them to promote. We have we, we reached out to them and it, like if you we have reached out to them in the past, um, but for whatever reason they've just said unless we're like involved from the start, we you know we can't can't help out right now. But right. once it's done. Once it's done, it's if there. they want it, yeah, yeah. it's theirs for free. I, as long if people are using it for the benefits of the cause, you know, I, I, I don't care who has it as long as it it's going to the right places so that the right people can see it and the right message can get across. It doesn't matter to me because this is the thing, man. It's like it, it quickly became a labour of love. This five years it took to get off the ground, wow. you know, and it's just I'm just I'm sometimes I have to like take a second because it, it's easy to get bogged down by you you go oh you know we're not hitting the you know we're not hitting the, the targets what's going on but then you go hang on Look 12 months ago yeah. I was like what am I going to do with this film walking around with a script in your pocket exactly and no matter how many people were saying that's brilliant you need to make it I just couldn't get the right people on board and over the last 10 months so much has happened with it that has just been so positive and We've been really lucky, and I just hope that we can get it over them, over the yeah. line. So, if anyone wants to donate, where can they where can they donate? What's they the page? Can in, they can donate on? Uh, we've got a Twitter page, and that's seconds out. Is it second? Oh, that's is, seconds out movie. Is it, it, or? I think it's seconds out short film or seconds out film. I can't. Not the best start. That <laughs> 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 yeah, um, it's. Let's have a look. I'll check that out for yeah. you. Yeah, but we've got an Indiegogo page attached to that. Yeah. And um, even a fiver is a massive help because, as I say, a, a festival donations, a, a festival fee can be fifteen pound. So that's a third of a of a, of a festival as donation. Three people put a fiver in, then you you've got an entry there for exactly. one of the festivals. Exactly. And there are some perks there. So like you know, if you put X amount of money in, you know you can you can get stuff which are connected to the film and. Um, the producers have been on top of all that, so I, I've I've sort of said I don't know what to do. You do that, you do it. But um, so there are perks there. But yeah, so I think it, it is it is a second out film or second out short. But if you go if you go on there, there's an indie goal attached to it. The trailer's on there as well. Yeah. So we've got a trailer out there now. Um, there's a there's a teaser trailer as well, and there's also a behind the scenes little thing on the oh, indie right, page, which. Tells you a bit about the film, about the cast, and you know, um, yeah. So there's there's loads on there. There's loads of content on Twitter in particular. At seconds out film it is. At seconds out film, yeah. So if you if you have a look and if you you know if anyone's got a spare fiver, we'd be proper grateful to receive it. Well, we'll certainly push it out on Fight Disciples, of course. Get all the lads, get all the Fight Disciples, all the lads and girls to to watch the preview. In terms of yourself, then, a passion yeah. project like this, is it worth the appetite to write some more stuff? Totally, mate, yeah. I've been, since I got involved in acting, I've, I've been writing. And it's like, in the main, I've written for stage, but this in particular has made me... The way I wrote this, I realised that my mind can work, it works quite well cinematically. Yeah. And um, so hopefully this will... This this might give me a push to write something else. Maybe maybe I write a longer version of this. Who knows? But that's there's definitely things in the pipeline um, in me in my own head anyway. You know. But I think it will. I think I think this is just the start or something. And, uh, and in terms of the boxing, oh, is that with you for life? Yeah, yeah. I still stay, mate. You know, I was in I'm, the play I'm doing. Uh, there's a lad in it. 
uh, Jared Keynes, and he's an actor, and he's done a bit of boxing in the past. He, he's done a bit in like Anti Fan Hell's gym. Okay. But because we went in, because we he was in London, and he's but he's based up north. I said, come to Lodge, so so hard to fit to Lodge on Friday. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, we just we just had a little move around and that did a circuit, and I'll always I think while my arms and legs are moving, I'll you know it's something I, I know I'll I'll do to keep fit at least. For um, someone like yourself, is it? You know, obviously, you probably similar to me. You've, one of your first loves of boxing with the Rocky films, the yeah. Rocky series. Oh, uh, yeah. From an actor's point of view, is that the dream? Is it to pen a, to pen a, a Rocky movie, knock back the studio and say, <laughs> no, unless I'm in it, unless I'm There's the star. No chance. Yeah. Do you know what? Following I mean? in star, Sly's footsteps. It's mad, isn't it? Because I was thinking that. I was thinking when it, at one, about six months ago, it hadn't even hit me, but I was like, I'm going to have written this. I'm going to be in it. I'm. No, I'm just a walking cliche, aren't I? <laughs> this is mine. Yeah, but... For a minute, I'm taking over. But it's... Yeah, it, I'd, I'd love to write a, long, a longer version. Paddy Concert, I haven't seen it, but I've heard Paddy Concert, you know, it's a cracking boxing film. Yeah. And I want to see that. I think it's called Jerryman, isn't it? I think so, I yeah. Wanna, yeah. I need to see that, because I've heard it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but, and then Johnny Harris, he wrote one. And Johnny was a boxer. He was the national champion, weren't he? Yeah, yeah. As a youngster. Of course. And I think Strav was in that as well. Is he? Yeah. Part, he's, he's just getting he's everywhere, more, Strav. See. I think Jimmy Moore's been in a few as well. I've seen, they both popped up in Peaky Blinders. They did it together, it, yeah. yeah. They did it together. Rootless. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's, I'd love to write something, like a long feature. I've had that, I've got ideas for a, lo- a longer version of this. And who knows if it goes down well enough. If we wrote a feature version, that again would get it across to a much larger audience. So who knows? Maybe yeah. in the future that could happen. But you just got to keep working towards it, haven't you? Just like keep it in your sights, don't keep and just just move towards it one step at a time. Absolutely. Seconds out the film. If you can donate, please, even a fiver would help. Visit the Indiegogo page, or as I say, go on to uh, Twitter. Look for Seconds Out at Seconds Out Film. Uh, you can catch up with Rob. There's bits there from the cast. There's the trailer. There's behind-the-scenes trailer. Have a little look at it. Get behind it. And you know what? If you donate 25, 50 quid, whatever, it's, it, there's levels here. So you can become an official producer as part of the film as well. Who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to see the name down as a producer? Rob, thank you so much for yeah, coming into the you, studio, mate. mate. Much appreciated. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Thanks for listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Don't forget, you can get plenty more from us across social media at Fight Disciples and for our entire back catalogue of shows including our bi-weekly or sorry our double weekly podcast that's one boxing show one UFC show visit fightdisciples.com for more of this wonderful award winning content I'll catch you back here next Tuesday for plenty more Merseyside Fight News Thank you for listening If you like what you heard subscribe via iTunes